Amen. Good morning, church. He's always been faithful and he always will. What a good promise to know. What a way to live life with that hope. This morning we're going to continue in our series in Philippians, Be Encouraged. I was um, talking to a young man recently, and he's about to uh, start in one of the union trades. So the conversation I was having with him was, hey, listen, um, you're getting a blank slate. You, you, you're walking into a situation where uh, you're about to interact with a bunch of people that is going to last for a lifetime. So, so what happens is uh, what you're going to do every single day is build a reputation for yourself. So uh, because that's true, it's going to have great significance in your development is going to have great significance in uh, who you become, and that turns into money, right? Your reputation matters. So it is deeply important that you uh, establish a good reputation. In the same way, as a Christian, every single day, you're shaping your reputation. The, the question is, what will you be known for? The title of this morning's uh, message is, who are you, friend? If, if I asked someone about you, what would others say? Who, who would they say that you are? As a Christian, we're not only shaping our own reputation, but the reputation of Christ in the minds of others. In other words, we claim to be Christians. So that's supposed to look like something. And because we're saying that we're Christians, we're in God's family, we're his holy people, when someone looks at us, we're a representation of Christ. So the question remains, who are you, friend? Our text this morning uh, is in Philippians chapter 2. I'll be reading out of the CSB, and we'll start in chapter 19, and we'll read through chapter 30. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. The text reads this way. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by the news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send Ephroditus 
my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and, the minister, and minister to my needs, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because he heard that you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick, he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Lord, thank you for your word. We come to you humbly, Lord, asking you to build our character to make us men and women of good reputation, that we are tried, tested, and true for the work of the gospel, O Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The theme of chapter 2 so far has been do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather the interests of others. And in that, we've received examples of what that looks like, and it started with Christ. It said, adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So, so, so we may look at that and, well, I, I, that's Jesus. He is God. But then Paul even gives an example of himself in verse 17, saying that he was being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith. And he, he mentioned that he was glad to do that. And now he's mentioning two other men, regular men that have been built up in the faith, because you may even think, well, Paul is an apostle and, and Jesus is God. So, so now we have two other men to look at. And the text tells us, now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. Paul starts out hoping in the Lord. All our plans go before the Lord. If it be your will, Lord, if this is your plan, especially a leader, a leader in a home, a leader in the church, they had better look to God and his will for direction. 
even in, in the regular operational parts of the ministry where he's saying, I hope to send Timothy. That, that seems like a, a, a mechanical function, but here it is letting us know that he has to hope in the Lord even to do things of that nature. We, we always have to appeal to God. And, and the language in which we use in everything that we do reveals who's sitting on the throne of our heart. And here is very clear that Paul is submitted to the Lord. Paul met Timothy on his first missionary trip. And, and, and when he made a loop and, and came around on his second missionary trip, he invited Timothy to join him. One of the things that we found out in life, and, and we know, we didn't know when we were in kindergarten, we didn't know it in the third grade, but by now we know that friendship is not built in a day. There's times in your life where you think like everyone's your friend, and you find out that it's not true. Friendship is not built in a day. Trust is not built in a day. Finding out uh, if people are reliable in who they are, it takes, it takes time, and, and you go through situations to find out those things. We all need good friends, but we need to start with what kind of friend are you? What, what kind of friend are you and when you look for a friend, what are the qualities that you look for in a friend? When, when, when I think about a friend, I think about loyalty. I, I think about trust. I think about character. I, read, uh, I uh, saw a quote that said, what men call friendship is just an arrangement for mutual gain and an exchange of favors, right? Often, uh, people interact with others, and, and they kind of come into this agreement of, hey, um, let's work together because this is beneficial to both of us. But, but that's not a, a true friend. George Washington said this. He wrote a letter to one of his nephews, and in that letter he said, Be courteous to all, but intimate with few. And let those be well tried before you give them your confidence. True friendship is a plant of slow growth and must undergo and withstand the shocks and adversity before it is entitled to be the name. In other words, don't just call everyone your friend. Um, be courteous, be kind, be loving to all, but a friend has to be tested. And, and, and that takes time. And the growth in that relationship is like a plant growing. I, I love plants. And, and I have plants in my office and in my house. And we have stuff in, in our yard. And it grows slow. 
But when you look at pictures over a period of time, it's like, oh, no, that, that definitely grew and, and changed. I speak to young people all the time about their character, about who they are. And, and one of the things I speak to them about often is keeping your word. So, so in keeping your, all you have is your word. So if you say you're going to do something, you should do it. If, if you're not sure you can do something, then the way you frame whether you're going to be able to do it or not should reflect that. And we find out when people are reliable or not. But I talk to them about keeping their word, doing what they say that they're going to do, so you know whether or not you can count on them. Timothy was sent by Paul to many places. T Timothy wasn't new at this point. He, he was trusted. He was reliable. And, and what that does, it, it makes someone valuable. The more faithful you are, the more fruitful you are. You become someone of proven character. We, we see that in the parable of the two servants. It reads, when then, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom who his master has put him in charge of his whole household to give them food at a proper time? Blessed is that servant who the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. And then he speaks about another servant that says, this guy ain't coming for a while. Starts to beat the other servants and starts doing things that he shouldn't do. And the text goes on to say, what's going to happen when the master comes and finds him doing those things. But this is an example that when you do consistently what you're called to do, that there is fruitfulness from your faithfulness. We, we see another example of that in, in the next chapter of Matthew, in Matthew 25 with the talents. Right? One is given one talent, one's given two, one's given five, and then the guy goes away for a while. And when he returns, he's expecting profit from what he was given. And he says to one, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things, sharing your master's joy. But the one who ended up not being a faithful steward in what he had, called them wicked, took away what he did have cast them out. Timothy was with Paul at this time for a decade, for 10 years. He was, he was seasoned. This wasn't his, his first rodeo. He, he, had, he had been around the block. There are certain things that a new, covet, a new person that has become saved, a new convent cannot do. There is a testing, there is a time for growing, but he had been sent out on many occasions to many churches by this point. 
And Paul, not knowing his status, feeling confident that, hey, I'm, I believe I'll be released from this situation, I'm going to send you in my stead. Where he was sending them from Rome to Philippi wasn't around the block. It, it was 800 miles away. It's like from here to South Carolina. I, I have family in South Carolina, and I drive there. And, and I try to get there when I'm getting there without getting a ticket. You know what I mean. And, and I don't always have help in the drive because my wife doesn't like to drive, and it is grueling. Imagine. There were no Ubers. This guy was going over land and sea, 800 miles to go there and then to turn around and come back. That, that, that's what he was called to do. So sometimes uh, when we have those maps in our Bible that we never pay attention to and, and we see, like we read something like this and we think, yeah, you know, it was like a day's journey. No, it wasn't. There was total commitment for you to take something on like that. And obviously, it was extremely important to Paul for that to take place. It says, he was sending him because, for I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Paul knew a lot of people. He planted a lot of churches. He dealt with a lot of leaders. When, when he planted a church, people stayed there and shepherded the church for it to grow and for it to do well. And he would write these letters when he heard about things going on. But what he says here is, I have no one else like-minded like Timothy. The word in the Greek that's used there is only used that one time in the whole New Testament. It, it, Timothy was a very unique person. And what Paul was saying about him, about them being like-minded, is we have a kindred spirit. We, we're like uh, the same in thought and what we desire for the Philippians. So he's actually handing over the baton to Timothy. That, that's a big deal. Think about whenever, if you've ever allowed someone to babysit your child. Like, there's a criteria. I, I don't understand like, that they have apps that you could say, uh, yeah, you could get a babysitter from this app. We vetted them. We who? Who are you? Like, this is my child. I, I don't even get that, but they have that out there. But for the most part, if someone is going to watch over our most precious and vulnerable of gifts, a child, we're extremely particular about that. If you notice... In the beginning of this letter, Paul even addressed the church in Philippi with as if the letter was coming from the both of them, Paul and Timothy. But the letter was coming from Paul. What Paul was doing was starting to situate Timothy to do what God had called them to do. Paul knowing, hey, I'm coming to the end of my ministry. 
Someone has to, in my stead, continue the work of the Lord. What a big deal. What, what a big responsibility. This is no small thing. So not only are they like-minded, he's handing over this baton and he's telling him, continue um, this race. This whole letter is about care for others. So first, it's, it's Paul speaking about who he is and how he loves the church, and then he uses, obviously, our, uh, our greatest example, Christ, and now he's speaking about Timothy here and later, Epaphroditus. And he says that he is different from everyone else, that they are like-minded. And then he goes on to say, and he will genuinely care about your interests. The next verse says, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So, so these are a rare qualities that's found in Timothy, that he would seek the interests of Christ. You, you don't want a person sent to you to lead a ministry of your soul that's seeking their own interests. We're talking about our soul. We're talking about our nourishment. What kind of person is going? I don't care how good of friends we are. It doesn't matter how long I've known you. The responsibility of a shepherd and then that shepherd realizing, okay, it's time for me to step back and someone to step up. Whew. How do you make that decision? Uh, I often, uh, Pastor Angelo and I spoke for years before I became the pastor here. And once I became the pastor here, uh, Pastor Angelo stepped back like he stepped back. Like, I asked him a question, he's like, you're the pastor. And, and I'm like, no, I, I recognize that, but I'm asking you as you being the pastor here for 20 years. He's like, and then he, he, he'll give me an answer, but often I would see his eyes watering, whether it was me preaching or sitting in a board meeting or sitting in a leadership meeting because... As he's expressed to me, it was just more and more confirmation in his heart that he heard correctly from God. It's not about a popularity contest. This is not about uh, what someone prefers and this, that, and the other. This is about people's souls. And if you're going to hand that to someone, you had better hear from God because you're going to be responsible for the decision that you've made. What a big deal. Every single time we are praying about someone being the department head of a ministry, like Mr. Thomas becoming the youth director. He didn't become the youth director, and I didn't, like, sit there 
listening to the sermons. No, I, I, I've heard his sermons before on, on tape, and it was like, okay, this is good. I, I need to be there. And I sat through a couple of them. And one day I was there, and I just started to weep. And I recognized, first off, how different he is than me, but how necessary he is for this season for the young people that are there today. So there was a level of confirmation in my heart that Ms. Jesse and I could like let something go because that's what I did before the youth who, who I consider sometimes to be the most vulnerable, the most impressionable at that part in their life where they're at a crossroad and, and determined, depending on which way they go, it really is going to matter. So, so, so think about that as, as we're approaching this text. These qualities that is seen here from Paul and Timothy and the vetting and him walking alongside him for a decade. And he's saying that he will genuinely care for your interests. All others seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. There's degrees of that. People have agendas even in ministry. And God knows each person's heart. We, we only know a part of it. God knows each person's heart. And he sees through every agenda and what's pure and what's impure. One of the things that we read in Philippians chapter 1 was uh, Paul saying, to be sure some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition and not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. Because of who Paul was, um, and there were other ministers around him, ministers of the gospel, when he got locked up, they were like, okay, it's time for me to step up and be the big dog. So, so, so although they may have even been preaching the right message, but all their motives may not have been pure. The text goes on to say, but you know, meaning the church knows his, meaning Timothy's, proven character. Because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. How hard it is to find people of integrity. What Paul is saying here, hey, if I can't come now, I'm sending Timothy in my stead. That, that, that's a big statement. Those are things that I was saying that I look for in a friend, loyalty and trust and character. I read a quote that says, loyalty is in most people only a ruse used by self-interest to attract confidence. So, so often people will act loyal because they want you to believe something about them, but you have to be careful with that. When it came to trust, I, I read a quote by uh, someone named Thomas Fuller. It says, it is equally failing to trust everybody and to trust nobody. Right? We, we, we got to trust somebody. We, we have to use some kind of 
criteria, we know we can't trust everybody. But it's, it's as big of a failure to trust nobody. But there was another thing that says, um, trust, but verify. Right? Um, so, Timothy, walking with Paul all of these years, he was verified. It, it, it was clear who he was. A quote that I read from the first century about character, it says, character is simply habit long continued. Character is simply habit long continued. In other words, you walk alongside a person long enough, you're going to be able to figure out their character. It's going to reveal itself, right? You could put up a front for a while, or your character will be shown right from the beginning, whether that's good or bad. The thing about that is God's always working on our character. Thank God, right? Another thing on character says, Fame is a vapor, popularity an accident, riches take wings. Those who cheer today will curse tomorrow. Only one thing endures, character. Text says that this is a man that will genuinely care about your interests. His character is proven, and he's like a son to me. He, he and I have kindred spirits. We desire the same thing for the church. I have no one else like him. What a beautiful thing. But that came through a process of being mentored and having, being, being mentored and being a mentee. Right? We should have those people in our lives. We should have someone that's speaking into our life. And we should have others that we're speaking into their life. That, that should be an ongoing process through your whole life. And that's a biblical principle, right? The Bible tells the older women to speak to the young and the older men to speak to the young. And we always need someone else to speak to and to be able to bounce things off from and, and learn from. Extremely, extremely important. But to be under someone... It's a humbling thing. This whole chapter we talked about was about humility. So often I hear people wanting to do big things, but they don't want to crawl before they walk. And, and that's dangerous. Are you willing to be an understudy? Are you willing to serve unseen? To, to do those little things in the background? The things that you consider insignificant, that don't matter. Everything matters. And, and, and we're supposed to walk this out little by little. It, it was plain to see who Timothy was by his, by his service, by what he was willing to do, by those little things of behind the scenes. It was plain to see who Timothy was by his loyalty. It was plain to see who Timothy was by his consistency, and the longevity of his consistency, his proven character. He was, he was tested. He was there through the fire and the flood. He, he, was, he was brave. If you were with Paul, you had better be brave, right? 
He, he wasn't a, a fair-weather friend. And not only that, he was hardworking. This is hard work. Life is hard work. You know what you get out of it? What you're willing to put into it. The Bible is real clear about those that's sleeping. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a little longer nap and a little longer nap. It's funny. <laughs> and you thought Friday we were talking about things that, um, that eat up our time. And, and one of the persons said, sleep. <laughs> I was like, hmm. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't put that in the category. But, yeah, I guess some people are like, I'm going to take another nap. It is very important that we see living examples of men and women living out their faith. Like, we need to see that in real time. That, that's what encourages us. That, that's what lets us know, well, you know, yeah, like, this is Jesus doing this, or this is Paul. Now it's coming down to, like, regular people. That, that went through this process of growing over time and God using that in a mighty way. It takes time. Growth works like this. If, if, if your branches go out further than your roots go deep, you're going to topple. So many people want to have this, this um, platform of influence. But if your branches go out and they stretch out wide, just think about that. But your roots aren't deep. You're going to fall over. There is, there is a balance, right? So experience without teaching leads to discouragement. And teaching without experience can lead to spiritual deadness. It takes both. You need to be behind the scenes gaining experience while you're growing and you're learning and you're being taught. That's the process. There are no shortcuts. But Paul could say, Timothy has been by my side. He's been by my side for my sake. Everybody needs a friend. Even Paul needed a friend. He's been by my side for my sake. He's been by my side for your sake. He has not abandoned me in hard times. We saw what happened when somebody in the gospel abandoned him. John Mark, right? Things got rough. He bounced. He was like, get this guy away from me. But again, thank God we grow. Because later he went through a process, meaning John Mark, and he came back. And then Paul spoke well of him. But at the time, he was like, this is not the person around me for this season. This is too, too important. Like we can't have wishy-washy people. But, but, but we start out that way. Remember I was even telling you last week, hey, when I was on the train, God had impressed on my heart many times, get up and preach. It's like, I have not, hmm. Sorry, I'm not going to do that. So we grow and, and we learn and, and we come to a place where, where God continues to build us. Remember who Paul was. So when Paul is saying 
Like, this guy has been by my side. This is a guy that says, five times I received 40 lashes plus one from the Jews. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and the day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, from dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things that is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I don't burn with indignation. That's who Paul was. Imagine being his sidekick. He said, therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. With all of that, Paul's concern was for the church and making sure he was going to send someone that was going to be able to help them. He said, I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Paul still had a great confidence in the sovereignty of God. But he says, but I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother. Listen to what he's calling this guy. A co-worker, a fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my needs. That's who this guy was. So he was going to send Epaphroditus and keep Timothy with him for a while, but he was going to be sending Timothy. Epaphroditus was going to be the one delivering this letter. And it says, since he has been longing for you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. One of the things that uh, we sometimes believe is these apostles could just heal people at will. The book of Acts is over a decade. These things happened here and there to confirm who God said they were and to give people an understanding like they have this authority and you could see it by the things that they're doing. This wasn't like every other day. I'm sure Paul prayed for him, but but it is God who heals. It is God who saves. They even said of Paul, like, he talks real big in these letters, but when we see him face to face, the power is the Holy Spirit. It's the will of God. We're to pray, we're to lay hands. And and, and God, it's, it's funny because God has used Many of us, I'm sure a lot of you as well, to lay hands and pray on for someone and they got healed. And then they came back kind of like, hey, can you pray for me for this now? Like, hey, it didn't work like that. That was God. That, that wasn't because it was because I prayed for you. Right? So so we we could just see that here. That's just, just a sidebar thing, right? But it says here that 
I didn't want to have that kind of sorrow. He was, he was near death. And it says, therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor. Family, we're to honor our leaders. We are to recognize the sacrifice. You may not realize the spiritual warfare that goes on to give any message on any platform, whether it's upstairs with the children, whether it's the youth group, whether it's the women, or up here. It, it is not a joke. This is life and death. And so often we are mistrusting, but the Bible tells us honor those people like him that are called to these things. Attacks come in every form, and there are it's endless work behind the scenes. You can come up, worship team. Goes back to the original question, who are you, friend? Who are you? See, because this is not just for those that God has placed in these certain platforms. It's for the believer. It is for the Christian. It is for all of us to be working and, and, and laying these things before the Lord and being used by him. It says, because he, Epaphroditus, he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in, the ministry, in, in your ministry to me. Do you know why he was willing to risk his life? He was willing to risk his life because his life wasn't his. His life didn't belong to him. He'd been purchased with the price. He's been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Like everyone who claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to him. So if he says, this is what you're to do, this is what you're to do. I, I didn't know all it was going to take to become a senior pastor. I was an assistant pastor here years before I was a senior pastor. But I kind of had an idea. And I was like, ah, I'm good being the man next to the man. I'm all right with that. But when God says, this is what you're going to do, you, you don't get away with, from that. I don't belong to myself. You don't belong to yourself, Christian. You've been purchased. By the precious blood of Jesus. So if, if we know that we don't belong to ourselves, every single thing you have, your platforms, your possession, your house, your car, your money, it belongs to God. You, you, you're a steward over these things. He was willing to risk his life for the gospel because he knew it's not my life. It's yours, God. Do with it as you will. Each and every one of us has to come to that place. 
living and willing to die for the cause of Christ. And the cause of Christ is the gospel. It's the church. It's people. We, we, we are called to be poured out. Each and every one of us needs to constantly hear this and be reminded because it's so easy for us to just like, this is mine. This time is mine. These things are mine. My life is mine. No, not for the Christian. It's his. Remember when it was yours and what you were doing with it. Some of you didn't even want it no more. Because you're burning down. But he makes beauty from ashes. But what happens when, it, when we start counting it as beautiful again, do we want to start snatching back pieces? Hey, hey, oh, it's fixed up kind of nice now. I think, oh, you can hand that back over to me, God. You'll be in a worse condition than you were before the first time. belongs to him. And if you don't know him, then one of the things that I know, and I don't have to know much about you, is you burnt down your life as well. But he does make beauty from ashes. We're here talking about friends and the level of friends. And we're talking about friends in the, in the hard times like in the things that really matter, not like third grade friends, lend me a pencil, give me a piece of candy. I didn't do my homework last night. Can I copy yours? <laughs> but when it really matters, when the rubber meets the road, when it's life and death, I tell you, you're not going to have a greater friend than Jesus. He's not only just a friend, he's the creator He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's God who came down from heaven to rescue us from our sins. And you who have burned down your life, you can call on him and ask him to be your friend. He'll walk beside you. And he'll live inside you. He came to give you life, but he's calling you to put your trust in him. He's calling you to repent and ask for forgiveness of sins. That the precious blood that he spilled would cover your sins. There's one thing that covers sin, and that's his blood. Because the wages of sin is death. The believer needs to hear that again and again and again. And the persons who I was open for the first time hearing that message need to hear it as well. That's you. I'm going to ask you to come over and speak to me after service. Let's pray together. Don't let that moment pass. The other day we were in prayer meeting. And we prayed and it was time to go. And Deacon Ray got up and said, 
Don't leave here with your prayer in your mouth, in your heart, and not say it. And people prayed. And other people told me after that service, I'm glad he said that. Because I was going to leave with that in my mouth. The acceptable day of the Lord is today. If he's calling you, don't harden your heart. Come and see me after service. Family, would you stand so I could pray for you? Father, we thank you that we have a friend in Jesus. Father, we thank you that you've even given us good friends in this life, Lord. And even when we feel like we have no friend, you said you'll be a friend to the friendless. You said you'd be a father to the fatherless, to the one that feels that they're an orphan. You are their father. Thank you, Lord. Make us people, Lord, of great character, of loyalty, people that others could trust, Lord. Let us walk in your ways, Lord, recognizing we don't own ourselves. We've been purchased by you. We've been formed and molded by you. Everything that we've been through in our life, By your sovereign hand and your providence, you've kept us. You've allowed us to go through things. You put the parameters on how far that can go. You were faithful when we didn't know you. We're your workmanship. We're your handiwork. We're your children. Let us remember that this day as we say, use me, Lord. Thank you for men like Timothy, for men like Paul. But they've been with you for a long time, and we're here. Help us support the men and women that you've placed in positions today. That this is the place that my family comes. I want the Word of God to do a work in their lives. This is the place that I come to. I want the church to be healthy and growing. This is the community that I live in. I want us to be a light on the hill. Let that be each one of our prayers, oh God. And you show each one of us where we are to be uniquely placed for your glory whether if, if it's on the stage or behind the scenes, Lord. We ask that you would do something in each one, that they would put their hands to the plow and not look back. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We are so confident, Lord, because of the history that we have with you, which gives us the confidence to say the good work that you began in us. In me, you're bringing it to completion day by day. We're looking more and more like Christ. And you're going to fully bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And we give you all the honor and praise for that.
in Jesus' matchless name. Amen and amen. God bless you, family.